Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Under the Dome, the News and Observer's political podcast. I am reporter Will Doran here with my colleague Don Vaughn. Uh, we are recording this at the uh, state legislature uh, in the beautiful closet of the uh, the press dungeon, as we like to call it, down here in our little our room for the reporters. Um, uh, we are recording this uh, last week, last Thursday, where it's been uh, just a really busy week. Uh, but we are here to tell you about what is coming up uh, this week in North Carolina politics. Um, two big things, really. Um, and it's just been, like I said, uh, it was jam-packed last week. Uh, we had new congressional maps and new legislative maps getting uh, passed through the legislature with uh, really different levels of partisan rancor. Some of them were almost unanimous. Some of them were completely along party lines. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that and why it's important. Uh, why it's important really is that this week uh, the, the court in the redistricting case is going to be figuring out whether or not to accept the maps that the legislature just passed or if they're going to say not good enough and go with another set of maps. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. And then the other big thing was mask mandates. Um, COVID is still with us, and uh, people are getting a little sick and tired of wearing their masks all the time. Uh, and so both the governor and the legislature are softening, well, the legislature has been there, on mask mandates. Um, but they still have some disagreements, um, and that could... That, that resulted in a bill that could potentially be vetoed by the governor this week, could potentially be signed into law this week. Um, Don, tell us a little bit more about what's been going on with the masks. I mean, it's sort of moot, but it's sort of not. And, you know, it's always it's always about like the intersection of like different levels of government. And that's that's what this is. So not just between legislative and executive, but between state and local. So. Friday at nearly the exact same time that the Senate was taking a vote, Governor Cooper and uh, State DHHS Secretary Cody Kinsley were uh, saying at a, at a press briefing that they think that the local mass mandates that cities and counties have and the mass mandates in schools, which has been the site of most of the controversy around mass this past year, should be lifted. So that's a big deal. It hasn't been a state... Um, mandate since last summer, but again, that has a, a caveat. So the the Cooper, as we all remember, after the CDC change last May, you know, 2021, there was no statewide mask mandate, but there was in some places because there's always a but in government, <laughs> and it, it included schools and prisons and healthcare and, and transit. And then when a uh, state law passed that Cooper signed in the fall, that changed it. So um, it's not the state making this rule, it's the local school districts that, mit, that decide whether mask mandates are in place. However, they are, were strongly recommended to have mask mandates from this DHHS public 
uh, school safety toolkit. So it's that toolkit, the recommendations from DHHS, which has been the big thing for a while, including a county that didn't have masks and then got the stern letter from former um, DHHS Secretary Cohen threatening legal action. And then that get, got people riled up saying, well, this is the Cooper administration saying that we um, are required to mass in schools. But technically they didn't, but also they did. So that that's the background. And now Omicron is, you know, just has fallen off the cliff. Vaccines are available for everyone five and up, which is, you know, the vast majority of school children, unless it's preschool or young, a young kindergartner. And uh, so they're recommending that they lift it because you can get vaccinated and that's what they've been pushing for a while. Um, but now we're at the point of, okay, so all those school boards and all those mayors and all the, you know, however the local governments decide, um, they're at the point now of needing to lift their, um, their local ordinances, um, if they even have one. A lot of people don't. Well, this is something that's really been shifting because, I mean, as, as you noted, like we, we had the statewide mandate, but then we lifted it and just let it be up to local school boards. But even in the beginning, it was still essentially statewide. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I mean, it was something, you know, 85, 90 percent of school districts in the state initially had 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 chosen to keep the mandates, even after the state was no longer requiring them to. But over time, that's kind of slowly trickled down. I mean, you know, it it made big uh, national headlines, you know, when Madison Cawthorn brought a big group of supporters down to Johnston County uh, to, to rally against it. Right. But, you know, I remember like seeing that on The Daily Show, you know, um, and that was, I don't know, months ago, last summer. Um, but, you know, there's kind of been that steady trickle of, you know, Month by month, you know, more school districts have voted to get rid of these mandates. And now I think it's down to below half, right? Am I, am I correct on it's that? It's really or? almost been the, just the past month. So yeah. we have, like, the loudest people, which are the angry protesters and politicians that try to use it to get attention. And then we have the people who are, are very worried and concerned and don't want mass at all and, and probably aren't going to like, you know, this new recommendation. And then in the middle, you have everybody else who is like, yeah, I want to protect my kids. And, you know, like, what, what does it actually look like? And, you know, what does this mean if they're going to miss school or are they going to get sick? And, the t you know, there's um, they're looking more at like how how much of a threat is is COVID really right now? I mean, risk mitigation, you know. And well, it's been really confusing. I mean, both of us are parents, and it seems like the CDC changes the rules every other month, and you know, and what to do if your kid's been exposed. And you well, know, they have. I mean, the key was, you know, if you were vaccinated in Wake County anyway. I'm a Wake County parent. Um, you know, if you were exposed but you're vaccinated, it's it's not a problem. If you're not vaccinated, you had this different timeline of when you're when you were out and everything. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting as a parent to, to watch. And, um, but I mean, it's, I think it's up to each individual parent and kid, whether or not they think it, it mattered that much with masks. Like there was, depends on compliance and on enforcement. And now that this is lifted, I think that um, it's going to be a relief for a lot of people and celebration for some, probably concern for some others. And one thing that Governor Cooper and Secretary Kinsley, um, each of them said when they talked about urging lifting masks in the state capital of Raleigh, for listeners here, Raleigh has had 
a mask mandate instituted by Mayor Baldwin since August. And by the time you're listening to this, maybe it'll be gone, probably, or will be soon. So it feels like our lives hadn't, haven't changed very much. But out in other counties where it's been gone, you know, it might seem weird that they don't have it around town, but then they would in school, dependent, you know. So it feels like it's this... Um, it just feels it really it's individual to where where you happen to live. And now with this encouragement from the governor, even though he wasn't making this rule, uh, it seems like the um, the mayors and others will follow suit. Maybe not. I mean, you know, I worked in Durham for a long time. I know what Durham's politics are. And because this is somewhat partisan issue on, on COVID restrictions, or, or is Durham and Chapel Hill going to change? I think that that's different, you know. Uh, so the bill that passed the legislature that Cooper's got to decide what to do with, and I asked him about it at the presser, and he, um, you know, the usual, he'll never say if he'll sign or not sign something until he decides he's going to say it, um, was, you know, that he would look at it, but that he has reservations because what the, what the bill does is leave it to the parents, not the local school boards anymore. And it was the Republicans' choice in that bill last year that Cooper signed into law, that forces the school boards to vote every month. Now this bill that they passed repeals that, so they don't have to vote anymore because, you know, why would they? The they don't parents, have the power to vote right, on it anyways. The parents yeah. would get to decide. So yeah. um, the way Cooper was talking is that he he does want to let uh, the the school board still um, have this measure if, if they want, if they feel like, even though he doesn't recommend it, um, the state's not officially recommending it, um, but giving them that that jurisdiction for for public health. So that's where the intersection of state and local is at play. Because um, I even asked, I was like, well, what if they don't want to? You know, and he's like, well, this is the guidance that they'll have. So March 7th is the date of that guidance. But March 7th is not the date that suddenly all local uh, municipalities and, and school districts um, uh, can or should lift their mass rules. It's just when they're going to have more detailed guidance. They can do it right now if they want to. They can do it yesterday. Half of them did. So it's more than half now. Um, at our last count, our you know education reporter, Kern Huey, said, I think it just it tipped over into the majority do not have it even before this announcement came out. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's, it's clearly heading in that direction. And I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say here at the legislature, I mean, we saw plenty of GOP lawmakers kind of taking credit for... Uh, pushing Cooper in this direction, you know, I, 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 he, know, he, he scheduled his press conference on this for the same day that they were taking votes on the bill. And, you know, I saw several Republican lawmakers basically, uh, saying like, oh yeah, we did that. You know, we, we forced his hand. Um, well, I, yeah, I asked, <laughs> I asked Senator Berger directly on Tuesday, you know, I said, um, I hadn't seen more in, in person that day and I saw Berger first. So I asked him, even though this was, uh, the legislation is driven by Speaker Moore, um, and I already knew the Senate, you know, Republican leadership supported it. And I asked if, you know, of course, he's like, well, you know, I'm too far to say that. But clearly, I mean, that's how this came out with schools reopening. There was legislation, there were Cooper pressers, and then, you know, they met in the middle. No, no joint announcement this time. But, um, yeah, so it all happens. So it was a lot of fun for me to uh, speed over um, to the emergency operations center. I'm joking. It was not fun. And trying to figure out the vote at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, Republican lawmakers getting their way and bringing some Democrats on board, uh, we also had redistricting, uh, where that happened 
a little bit, not entirely. Uh, so they're drawing three new maps to replace the maps that all just got ruled unconstitutional by the state Supreme Court. Earlier this month, you've got the state House map, the state Senate map, and the U.S. congressional map. Um, one of those was basically unanimous. Uh, the map for the, the NC House districts passed, uh, I think the vote was like 115 to 5. There were a few Democrats who still opposed it, but nearly every Democrat supported it and every Republican supported it. Um, and that is a really interesting map. Um, you know, there will be obviously a, a ton more deep dives into this, especially if it does get passed, because what we're still waiting on to see is if the court even accepts this. Um, the court might say, no, y'all, this ain't good enough, and we are picking uh, a different option. Um, and that will be happening uh, towards the end of this week, uh, so I'll be writing about that. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but the it, it's a really intriguing map, just kind of baseline looking at the you know how the districts, if they had existed in 2020, how they would have performed. Um, a small majority of them, I think like 63 of the 120 House districts, would have voted for Donald Trump in the presidential race, but almost the same number, 62, would have voted for Roy Cooper in the governor's race. Um, and now, obviously, Cooper is kind of a, you know, a, a, a special candidate, I think, you know, people would agree in North Carolina. He's, he's a Democrat who's able to win over a lot of, you know, kind of conservative middle ground voters who are, you know, comfortable with voting for Donald Trump, but also are going to vote for Roy Cooper for governor. Um, so, you know, some Democrats kind of discounted that way of, you know, gauging the, uh, the partisan split of the map. But I mean, the fact is, you know, if, if Roy Cooper clones had been running in every single legislative district in the state in 2020, uh, you know, Democrats would have won a majority under this map. Um, so, you know, I, I think probably some folks in democratic leadership looked at that and said, you know, Y'all, I don't know if we're going to get a better deal out of Republicans on this. Like, yeah, it is still a, you know, Republican-leaning map, but, you know, it's a, it's at least possible for Democrats to win a majority. And and that was part of what the, the court had focused on in their ruling. They said basically, you know, like, these maps are unconstitutional for, you know, because of all these, like, highly technical math reasons. But, like, let's also just say philosophically, like, there's no way that if Democrats even won the statewide vote by 4 or 5% of the vote, there's no way that they would win a majority of seats in the legislature. Um, so clearly lawmakers, you know, had that in mind. Um, and that part of the ruling when they drew these maps, uh, you know, it, it does give Democrats a, a, a path to the majority. It obviously does not guarantee them the majority, um, but there's the path there. Um, however, uh, we did not get that same kind of kumbaya uh, in the Senate uh, where everything was really just a knockdown, dragout fight over both the congressional maps and the state Senate maps. Those passed entirely along party lines. Democrats are saying that they are still just, you know, gerrymandered as can be. Uh, Republicans saying that, you know, Democrats are just full of it and complaining because they felt like they should have gotten a few more seats and they didn't. Um, so, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, you know, the other side is uh, not being truthful and, you know. <laughs> you think this is the last, the last map week? We got a couple more weeks of maps? This could probably be it. I mean, you know, who knows? The, so the state Supreme Court could still come in and delay the primary. Um, and move it back to June. But for now, the primary is in May. And because the primary is in May and we have to have early voting, that means that candidate filing has to begin on February 24th, which, if you look up at your calendar, is very soon. <laughs> so, Days. Yeah. 
Um, it's about a little over a week away. Um, and so the court is giving itself this week to review these maps that the legislature submitted. They're also going to be reviewing any maps that the challengers in this lawsuit, the left-leaning groups who sued, uh, submit. They're also allowed to submit their own maps to the court. Then the court is going to basically pick uh, which maps it thinks are the best and go with those. It's um, literally this Thursday from when you listen to this. If you're listening to this on Monday, it's like a few days. Yeah. Like, no, you know, working on deadline where they have a bunch of reporters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, we were at the legislature till, you know, from 830 in the morning till 1030 at night the other day. I mean, this is, you know, burning. Y'all, them y'all give a shout out to Will and the other... My beat is the budget and things like that. And uh, so, I mean, that certainly is a, a legislative issue that drug out to the end of time. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've all had our share of midnight votes Yes, yeah, shout out to, to Will <laughs> and, and, and Murph and others that spent a long hours in this building. So. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they were still finding, you know, computer errors in their maps at 2 a.m. They came back and said uh, one day. So, you know, somebody was up at, you know three to relay the message maybe we should <laughs> shout out the staffers <laughs> yeah the poor the poor nonpartisan and partisan staffers who have been working on this uh i don't know if they've slept at all um but yeah i mean really you know the the you know i'll just end with this on the congressional map um the current congressional map is guaranteed to be at least 10-4 advantage for republicans in our in our 14 seats republicans would win at least 10 of them they might win 11. That got ruled unconstitutional. The new map that uh, GOP lawmakers have proposed could hypothetically also still lead to a 10-4 result. However, and this is why they say that this map is should be accepted by the court, unlike the maps that just got struck down, this same map that could lead to a 10-4 split for Republicans could also give Democrats an advantage of 8-6. to six. Um, and that's because the way it's drawn is there are basically, you've got six safe Republican seats, four safe Democratic seats, and four super, super competitive seats that are all separated by just a couple of percentage points. Um, and, you know, could hypothetically go one way or the other. Three of those four are Republican-leaning, one is Democratic-leaning. Um, but really, you know, it's just kind of if, if one party has a good year, they could very feasibly win all four of those. Um, or three of the four, or, you know, maybe two of the four, but probably you would expect, you know, I mean, (laughs) we've been covering politics on this, you know this, Don, like, you know, all races are so nationalized now that, you know, you you typically uh, tend to expect that, you know, most races will go one way or another. Uh, But, you know, if, so, you know, Democrats could win 8-6, Republicans could win 10-4, but, you know, that's what a lot of people had asked for in these maps. They said, we want competitive seats. You know, we want to see politicians actually have to fight for their votes. We don't want this kind of map where everything is a predetermined conclusion. There's no, you know, real threat to anybody in the general election. Everything just gets decided in the primary and then all the general election, you know, are like 60 to 40, 70 to 30, and, you know, none of the incumbents are really at risk. Like, people people want competition. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the court has to say about that. Um, the Democrats weren't a big fan of that map. Uh, they said it was still gerrymandered. They proposed one that would actually be, it would be a little less competitive and would have given Democrats more guaranteed seats, um, as you can imagine, 
Republicans were not too keen on that, um, and so they shot that down. But four competitive seats, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty decent amount. So we'll see what the court thinks about that. And I, I think with that, we'll uh, leave you guys to watch the news. Stay tuned. Maybe our election date will be changing. Maybe we'll know what the maps look like. You know, it's Get it's all in flux. Get for election season. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, maybe masks will be an issue come November. Maybe masks won't be an issue come November. Don't jinx it. You know, it's it's seeming like the, the the two parties are kind of coming to an agreement on that at least a little bit. Um, Keyword is endemic. <laughs> so as always, stay tuned and thank you for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.